Hello and welcome back to Sabbath School from Home, a podcast where we're exploring the theme of mission and God's mission in the world and um, not living up to the name this episode. I'm not even at home. I'm recording this one from the car. So I'm hoping that the audio quality is passable. Uh, if it's not up to our normal uh, standard, then then I hope that you can forgive uh, forgive me for this for this episode. I'm Lachlan and I'm interested to see where we go. All right. G'day. Uh, I'm Ken and uh, good to be here. Thanks for taking the time to pull over and do a Zoom call from your um, uh, high tech um, connected car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's it's living in the future a little bit uh, for me in this episode. Today we're um, or this week's lesson. Uh, the topic is uh, motivation and preparation for mission. Um we, uh, we, we like to sort of anchor these um, discussions in passages of Scripture. Um, and this week, one of the um, motivations that's referred to is uh, uh, the uh, sharing the good news. And the lesson refers to the passage in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12, uh, which is, of course, immediately before the road to Emmaus. And then uh, the next passage is um, Jesus appearing to the disciples in uh, verses 36 through to um, 49. Um, and it's interesting that the lesson chooses those two passages and completely skips over uh, the road to uh, Emmaus. Um, I I'm not sure, Locke. Where, do, uh, do we want to start with the women at the tomb? Um well, I mean, all of it is good material, isn't it? Um, I think we should focus on the the road to Emmaus. But is there is there perhaps a few comments we can make about the women at the tomb? Well, it's interesting. One of the that you raise that because one of the comments in the lesson, I feel a bit terrible about this. I, I, it's my contrarian nature, I expect. Um, uh, uh, I read the lesson pamphlet and, and and then say, well, why why is it so? Um, uh, and might it not be some other way. I was interested that uh, the lesson um, uh, had this to say uh, in terms of the motivation um, about the uh, about sharing the good news, um, uh, and the women wanted to go and share it. Um, and and then it says, what greater motivation for mission could there be than to let others know about what Jesus has done for them? And it occurred to me that. I'm not sure that that's what the motivation for the women sharing the resurrection was. Um, uh, indeed, I, I, I wondered whether or not there was actually at that point in time any um, well-formed uh, doctrine of uh, penal substitutionary atonement um, uh, or any other uh, form of atonement, um, whether indeed the women had any understanding at that point of what we would say the significance of Jesus' death and resurrection is and what he had done for them. Um, it struck me that the motivation for them was uh, he's actually not in the tomb where we expected him to be. Uh, we should share this. This is the significant thing. Um, and furthermore, we've been told uh, that he has risen from the dead. This is good news. Uh, Jesus is an important person to us. He's not, in fact, dead. Um, that's the good news, uh, that he's risen from the dead. Um, and indeed, when... 
may not have needed to have much deeper theological significance at all. It may just have been the euphoria of, of that fact. A no, friend of mine that I thought I'd lost is back. Yeah. Yeah, quite so. There's, there's been a return. Uh, and indeed, when you uh, when you look at Paul, um, and he's uh, the place that we look to for uh, a more theological approach to the significance of um, uh, the cross, uh, his focus is on the resurrection at every opportunity um, with the Jews, with the uh, Areopagus, um, with the the Greeks at the Areopagus, um, what he talks about is the resurrection. Um, it's, it's, it's the central focus. And indeed, uh, for the... Uh, and look, I accept that there are, there are messages about the cross uh, and, you know, um, the cross is central. Um, uh, but the significance of the cross lies in the resurrection. For if there is no resurrection... Uh, there is, if Jesus didn't raise, rise from the dead, there is no resurrection and we are dead in our sins. Um, so uh, I think the resurrection was the good, was, was the good point and that's the good news. Um, uh, anyway, that was, that, that's, that's Luke 24, um, <laughs> uh, verses 1 to 12. Um, <laughs> I, I agree that the, um, the women sharing the news of the empty tomb and the resurrected Christ is not exactly the scenario that we typically describe when we talk about Christian mission. Mm. 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 I, I mean, a, a, a genuine motivation um, uh, to share good news is no doubt a good thing. I mean, uh, everyone wants to share good news. Uh, in fact, if, everyone likes to share bad news as well. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's called gossip. Uh, so perhaps our motivation for mission ought not be gossip. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we are. We've landed one important life lesson already in this episode. <laughs> Let's have a look at the Red Emmaus and, and see what oh, what we want to say there. It, it's a pretty long passage. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's start. Have, have you got Have you got it on your connected car? Uh, no, I don't have it on my connector. I probably could, but I do have it on my phone. Okay, okay, all right. Well, look, I'll start, and and you um and you carry on when I pause. Now that the same now that same day, so this is the same day that the women had been to the tomb, uh, and seen it was empty, and Peter had also gone there. Um, uh, and uh, it's interesting. Bending over, he saw the strips of. You can just imagine him having a look in there. You just Anyway, um, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on a road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Mm. Oh, it goes on, actually. Uh, I stopped because there was a, um, a, a extra biblical section heading, paragraph heading. Yeah. Now, let me continue from verse 35 just a little further. Yeah. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. <laughs> uh, uh, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. <laughs> and then he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Look, I recently did a sermon on the road to Emmaus and, and I found it a particular... I, I, find, I just love the story. Um, it'd be wonderful to uh, uh, be uh, the um, recipient of that Bible study, wouldn't it? Um, uh, interesting uh, that one of the things that we focus on is the, that he... he beginning with Moses and all the prophets. So we often focus on the on, on where Jesus is in the prophets. Um, uh, of course, you know, Isaiah 53 and um, uh, uh, all of the passages that refer to him, and, and virtually every one of the prophets has a passage that refers to him. Um, uh, so that would be interesting. But I thought it was interesting. It starts with Moses. So where is Jesus in Moses? Um uh, well, of course, he's in the sanctuary. Um, uh, indeed, he's there at the very beginning as the word. Um, uh, there are all sorts of places where Jesus is in Moses. Um, and this was a real paradigm shift for them, no doubt. When I, after the sermon, I had one of my friends come up and uh, who'd listened to it online uh, and was very frustrated because it was quite an interactive approach. And, and, and we spoke about this fact that they were kept from recognising him, but the moment... They recognised him, he disappeared. Um, and and the, the my, my friend said, well, but why didn't anybody pick up what it was that meant that they recognised him? Um, and she said it was when he broke bread. Well, what, is, what does he do when he breaks bread? He picks his hands up and you get to see his hands. And what was it that he pointed out to the other disciples who were filled with doubts about this? Uh, he pointed to his hands. Um, the nail... You know, the nail-wounded hands. Um, uh, we place significance on the nail-wounded hands, although um, uh, that's for Thomas more than anything. Um, it's not raised in this passage. He just says, look at my hands and feet. Um, touch me and see. 
Uh, you see, a ghost doesn't have flesh. I do. Um, uh, see, I have hands for... I've got limbs like everybody else. Uh, it's me. Um, um, yeah. Uh, so, interesting. Anything jump out at you? Lockdown. Well, the in the context of, of discussing motivation, um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's striking that Jesus seems like he's going to go on. They say, no, no, it's late. You shouldn't keep keep journeying. Stay with us. Mm. And then a, a few sentences later, once they have realized and recognized it's Jesus, they immediately proceed to dramatically disobey their own advice. They get straight on the road. Within the hour, they are back on the road, <laughs> heading all the way back, back in a day's journey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, it speaks to that. To, I mean, motivation is is underselling this. That there's a there's an absolute compulsiveness, a completely burning fire. Um, mm, mm. Once they sort of once something clicks clicks into place, and they they can't wait a night. Um, so yeah, that that's pretty and, striking. And and we do love to share things. That are important to us to to share new insights. One of the reasons we enjoy this podcast is we share these insights that we have, um, uh, and it's good fun. It reminds me of the story of the church pastor um, who um, uh, used to go out and play golf on Sabbath afternoons, and you know said to people that he was actually you know going and visiting the people in the old people's home and visiting the shut-ins and the like. But he'd go out and play golf. Um, and uh, the angels pointed this out to God, uh, and God said, "Oh, that's all right. Leave it with me. I'll fix it." Um, and uh, and and uh, so um, uh, the next Sabbath, he, the pastor went out and he was playing his game of golf, and um, uh, he hit he hit uh, the ball off the tee on the first uh, hole, and he got a hole in one, and it was it was just amazing. Um, and uh, and 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 the angels sort of said. Uh, yeah, that talk to it, turn to each other and say, oh, I don't know what he's doing here. Um, anyway, the, 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 the long story short, the pastor played the entire 18 holes and got a hole in one on every hole. And the angel said to God, what on earth do you think you're doing? You're rewarding him for going out and playing golf on a Sabbath afternoon um, uh, when he's been deceiving his parishioners and telling them he's doing a, you know, a wonderful um, community service. Um, and God turned to the angels and said, Yes, but who's he going to tell? Um, <laughs> Maybe it wasn't a reward, it was a punishment. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah, well, the, um, I mean, I guess an interesting question to ask is, is this, is this we're, we're, we're now identifying some other friends of Jesus that are, again, highly motivated. Is this a little closer to the sort of setting and scenario that we often imagine ourselves to be in. Uh, certainly there's a much greater theological significance here. It's unlike the women at the empty tomb, this is um, couched in the specific context of a discussion about the meaning of it all. They, they start by saying, well, we had these thoughts about Jesus, but we must be wrong. And yet we feel like they were pretty good thoughts. So we're not sure where we went wrong. You know what? I think that is one of the beautiful things about this passage. Um, even in their disappointment, they are faithful to him. Um, they, 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 they don't say, oh, well, he was a loser. Um, uh, they don't say, well, look at, look, at, look at where he's left us. 
Um, look at the trouble he's left us in. Um, he was just another one of those um, upbeat zealots um, who who was in the end good for nothing. Um, uh, that, that they are still faithful to their vision of him. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Um, and, and isn't there then the tragedy in this phrase? But we had hoped. Mm. And how much of our lives are filled with unmet expectations, with hopes that are unfulfilled? Um, yeah. And, and we had hoped. And there, there is the there is the nub of the human experience. So actually, that's a really powerful connection because the it, it implies in a way, doesn't it, that the motivation that fired them up to retrace a day's journey was because of rekindled hope. Mm. As much as mm. anything else, there was hope that had been a little bit unfulfilled well, very unfulfilled, I'd say, in their experience. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, um, and it it got reignited, in, and that just absolutely um, mm. launched them. It's interesting, and I, and I think I, I note the, the time, and I think we were looking at a shorter one, and with only the two of us, we can do that shorter one this morning, but I, uh, this, this evening. But I do really like this passage, and this is what you're referring to. Were not our hearts burning within us? They were the first members of the fellowship of the burning heart. Um, uh, and it is that burning heart uh, which is the motivation and the preparation and the strategy and gives all of the logistics for the um, uh, for, for, for mission, uh, for sharing. It is not something that can be contrived. Yes. Um, it is not something that you can say, what is my motivation for doing this? It is not, with respect, something that you can have a Sabbath school lesson about. What it is, is an encounter with the resurrected Christ. Yeah, I, I, I think you're saying it very well. Um, the inf if your heart is on fire, you don't need to have a discussion about motivation. Quite so. And, and quite possibly, it, the contrary is true. If you are stuck having a discussion about motivation, it, might it be that you're just not quite on fire? <laughs> mm, mm. Look, I, I, don't, I don't want to be judgmental, um, uh, but I think that's a very good question. Um, uh, and, and, and indeed, I wonder whether or not there might be something... Um, like I don't want to go here now if there's more that you want to say, but I, I think there's a I think there's a wonderful quote at the end of the lesson that I really appreciated that I think speaks to this. Um, yeah, well, let, let's get there in a moment. I do have something else I want to say, but it's okay. not form, so I'm going to plant okay. a seed and I'm going to throw it out there. Well, I'm going to I'm going to plant a seed here and return to it because I've been teasing a little bit in previous episodes this quarter about my um, I don't know. Uh, sense of connection with this theme of mission mm -hmm. and yet i i share very much as some uh, some level of cynicism about what we typically call mission and mm -hmm. and the reason for this juxtaposition um is actually quite simple i think that our mission is to participate in god's saving activities on the earth um that's that's how i see it and I, that makes it that that sounds quite different 
from just simply telling the story of God's, like verbalizing the story of God's saving activity, but rather actually being an agent of salvation. So um, this is why it sort of excites me in a way, because at any juncture, there's a there's a question, how can I, in this situation, be an agent of the kingdom, be an yes. agent of salvation? Whether it's a question about the 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 use and consumption of environmental resources, whether it's a, a question about um, social dynamic and and inclusion of of someone who's on the fringes. Um, so, you know, I, I've already talked, I think, at length in other episodes about my um, minority reading of the story of Zacchaeus, where I see Zacchaeus, I see Zacchaeus as actually not the guilty person who repents of sin and turns to Jesus, but an innocent person who through prejudice has been excluded and systematically isolated. And the act of salvation in that context means reintegrating him back into his community. Mm. That's what salvation means for Zacchaeus. Mm. Mm. Um, and so there's so many different ways, really interesting thoughts that come out when you start to think, how could I in this situation right now, be an agent of God's salvation. Mm. In that sense, I think that the mission of God is something that really can be um, something that fires you up. It really mm. can be something that sets your heart on fire because it's something, it's a deeper thing than just simply, am I brave enough to tell a stranger about the name of Jesus? Mm. Right? I mean, it's actually much more profound than that. It's, it's can I, on this occasion just be the hands or the knees or the hips of Jesus. You know, it's, mm. it's actually, it's just picking up on slightly different elements of some of the language mm. that the new Testament uses to try and wrap its head around this, this mm. whole idea. And so it's in that sense that I think that the, um, the mission of mm. God is something that, that can bubble up out of a, a, a life aligned with the way of Jesus. Look, I really appreciate what you're saying. Um, there, there are there are a couple of uh, reflections that I might um, raise. The first is when we think of mission, and perhaps this is just because I grew up the son of a pastor um, who, um, in his you know enthusiastic younger ministry years, um, had held missions. Um, um, uh, so, so some of which I found quite scary, um, uh, but uh, um, uh, that was the way things were done. Um, uh, and so, so much of what we think about as mission is statement. Um, uh, it's articulation of uh, doctrines, narrative, um, uh, and print. And, and so often it's something that's, uh, well, this is what, it's going to happen to you when you die. Do you want to go to the good place or not? Um, uh, and that's that's the that's the effect of our mission. I wonder whether or not we might think of a different word uh, when we think about what is our calling. Um, perhaps even the word vocation. And uh, aligned with what you were saying, I'm reminded of the quote by Frederick Beekner, um, and it is this. Your vocation in life is where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need. 
Oh, that is good, yeah. And maybe that's the way we participate in the salvation uh, here and now, um, uh, the salvation work of God, uh, pursuing our vocation where our greatest joy meets the world's greatest need. Um, and that seems to be the sort of way that these people on the road to Emmaus responded. Uh, this was this was great joy. Um, <laughs> uh, and you need to you need to we need to share this with you. Um, we have encountered Jesus. Um, so that's the, that was the first re reflection in response to what you'd said. The second reflection that I would like to share, and again, it's a quote. Yeah, I'm a bit of a magpie um, with thoughts. Um, I don't have many original thoughts myself, um, uh, but I, uh, I really enjoy collecting other people's thoughts and finding connections between them. Um, and, uh, and the other is in a podcast I was listening to recently. Um, and again, I don't have the full quote, um, but the concept that was conveyed was expressed in part in these words. In Christ for the world, not in the world for Christ. Mm. And so often I think uh, the sorts of things that we do, and we're caught, look, we are in the world, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, Jesus spoke about being in the world, but not of the world. Um, uh, but so much of what we do, it seems to me, is doing. Uh, and we're in the world for Christ. I wonder whether the world might be better served if we were in Christ for the world. See, that, that phrasing, uh, it's majestic, Ken, is really good, but that phrasing um, captures exactly the part of the idea I was trying to describe. If you are in Christ for the world, then you are implying that there is some good, that, that your being in Christ is somehow good for the world. Mm. I fear that so much of conventional Christian attitudes around this sort of thing is that my being in Christ is good for me and mm. to heck with the world. It's mm. all going to burn anyway. Mm. And mm. Um, that's mission is okay. Can be well motivated because you can say, well, I really want other people to also escape this sinking ship. Mm. But, but I, if you are in Christ for the world, then you are not trying to get people off a sinking ship. You are trying to participate with God in the restoration of the ship. Mm. 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 And indeed, the only way to effectively do that is to stay in Christ. Um, uh, that's what the, the, these disciples on the road to Emmaus discovered. They had this encounter with Christ. Um, and, and our prayer... Uh, for mission, I think, uh, should not be for success in numbers. Uh, it, it should not even be for the right words because, well, we'll be given those words um, where they're needed. Um, I, I think our prayer should be that we will be in Christ, um, uh, that we will encounter Christ, uh, that we, and we need to look for him um, uh, and, and, and we need to seek him and the promise is that he will be found. Um, uh, if we're seeking the other, it's again the law of indirect returns. Um, hmm. If we're seeking all these other things, uh, that, that's that's we're focusing in the wrong spot. 
Um, I've jumped in halfway through. Um, hello, everyone. I was <coughs> I was late. I have some students who are about to sit their final year twelve exam tomorrow, and I was. Um, they're not my students at all, but there's some people I've been tutoring. So, just, yeah. Um, the thought occurs to me uh, that Christ provides a sort of range of metaphors for mission and um, the light on the hill um, that isn't, it, there's the salt which is dispersed throughout the food um, and gives it flavour. Um, that seems to me very consistent with the idea that our mission is to participate in God's making the world a better place. Like the, the idea that we um, sit in our own buildings and encourage people to come to our own programs um, it doesn't seem to me very consistent with this idea of um, the light on the hill and the, the salt. You know, the, um, who, who's going to know, who's going to know at the end of our life what the most influential part of our mission actually was? Uh, I mean, that's, you know, when when we when we sit down and we say, well, I think this is good mission, or that's good mission, or that's bad mission, or this is the right, you know, when in Leaf by Niggle, um, when Niggle gets to heaven, um, the final judgment, his his heroic crowning act of his entire life, is a trip he makes in the rain on his bicycle to fetch the doctor for his neighbour, because his neighbour says that his wife's ill, and Niggle's quite sure that she's not really ill, that she's just you know, got a bit of a sniffle or something. But he does it anyway, even though he has lots of other things to do and he suspects that it's wasted time and it is, in fact, wasted time. And because he goes in the rain, he ends up catching a cold and he ends up falling quite sick himself. And um, the whole thing is a great frustration to him. Uh, but this this is seen at the end of his life as the great pivotal moment, the, the, the triumph of his life, this genuine selfless act um, and what Niggle's been throwing all his energy into, which is creating this artwork that he feels is so valuable, uh, is very, at one level, inconsequential um, in the sort of the story of his life. Um, it ends up becoming enormously consequential in a surprising way, but you can go and read Leaf by Niggle. But there's there's that sense where I wonder if, you know, the people, this is the story of the sheep and the goats, they were quite surprised about about what parts of their life, and it wasn't the part of their life when they ran an evangelistic program that were the parts of their life that were sort of identified as being the moments where they were most effective as agents of God's mission. Mm. And I think that's it's interesting that you say that uh, as well, consistent with um, uh, what the, the point that you've both been making. Um, uh, the Great Commission um, is... Uh, expressed in the terms, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I'm no biblical language scholar, um, but I do understand that it is a legitimate um, translation of those words, therefore go and make disciples, to read it in this way, as you go, make disciples. So, as you live your life, uh, go, live your life. And as you do that, make disciples. Um, uh, and that is doing the things that Jesus did. Uh, not as a you know, first century uh, Jewish male, uh, but in the life that you now live, do those things that Jesus would do if he were living that life. 
and that's where salvation lies. I think that's really good. Ken, just before we started, um, you read from the Sabbath School pamphlet a, a really interesting quote from Ellen White. I think that would be a great place for us to finish. Um, Cam, I know you joined us comparatively late mm. in this recording. Do you have any other thoughts on the motivation for mission before we, we get Ken to read an interesting quote to wrap us up? Um, I do. I think that talking a lot about the motivation for mission, speculating on what the correct motivation for mission is, um, looking at the various different sorts of motivations there are for the very various different sorts of mission is a fairly academic exercise. I think to say to God, God, if you want me to represent you, you have to give me an experience of yourself which is worth sharing. <laughs> well, I think that's very close to the point that we've been making. <laughs> uh, well, there you are. We're all on the same page. Thank you very much. Um. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> if you tuned in, if you tuned in this week for an argument and diverse opinions, you've chosen the wrong podcast. <laughs> uh, look, I, I think I think I will, uh, given the time, you know, that we're um, uh, where we are in the podcast. I, I will read this quote, um, and this is this is the quote: "Our life is to be bound up with the life of Christ. We are to draw constantly from Him." partaking of him the living bread that came down from heaven, drawing from a fountain ever fresh, ever giving forth its abundant treasures. If we keep the Lord ever before us, allowing our hearts to go out in thanksgiving and praise to him, we shall have a continual freshness in our religious life. Our prayers will take the form of a conversation with God as we will talk with a friend. He will speak his mysteries to us personally. Often there will come to us a sweet, joyful sense of the presence of Jesus. And this next bit is um, parallels the experience of the road to Emmaus. Often our hearts will burn within us as he draws nigh to commune with us as he did with Enoch. When this is in the truth, the experience of the Christian, there is seen in his life a simplicity, a humility, meekness and lowliness of heart that show to all with whom he associates that he has been with Jesus and learned of him. I think my prayer would simply be, may that be our experience. Yes, an excellent thought, and that's where we're going to finish. So thank you for listening along with us on this episode. I hope that my audio has been um, up to scratch in at least in at least a way that you can, you can understand. Um, if you would like to email us any thoughts or comments, remember our email address is sabbathschoolfromhome at gmail.com. If you'd like to share this podcast with any of your acquaintances, friends or family or enemies, uh, then, then feel free to do so. And we hope you join us again next week.